Hi. Hello, hello. Um, I know you won't believe this. You're just going to be shocked by this. But I'm so excited about this today. <laughs> I feel like I say that every day. But I am. I love it so much. Hi, Brittany. So, I'm actually... So, today is... Uh, February 13th. So we are on Matthew 13. Where's it at? There it is. Matthew 13. And we're going to look through this as much as we can, but I can't help it because the way this chapter ends, I have to start with the end of Matthew 12. This is hard to learn. This is hard to learn, but it is, it is important that we pray and ask God for wisdom about how to handle this. This is, to me, this is especially true when you are still raising children. Um, it's it's hard to even say, quite frankly. It's hard to even say. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus did, <laughs> and then I'm going to explain it. So first of all, let me let me preface this by saying I don't think when we get saved, we should shun people who are not saved. <clears throat> I I just do not believe that. There are it's so rare. There are very rare instances where the scripture tells us to absolutely cut people off. And it it 99% of the time, maybe 100% of the time, because it's not my study today, I'm I'm nervous to say, but it is mostly having to do with causing division within the church that the scripture talks about this matter of fact there's a scripture that says don't even eat with them because they're causing division they call themselves a brother but they're causing division don't even eat with them cut them off but this is family this is talking about family and so this is you know i am so tight and close with my family so this is very difficult to even talk about, but we're gonna, we're gonna, because it ends well. It's a, it ends good. That's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> so it verse, this is chapter 12. It says, while he yet talked to the people, talking about Jesus, while Jesus was talking to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. So Jesus is inside a place and Mary and, and Mary's other children are standing on the outside, stood without desiring to speak with him. So somebody comes to Jesus and says, behold, thy mother and thy brethren are outside wanting to talk with you. And Jesus answered and said unto him that told him, 
who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. <sighs> I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this because I'm all about family. I love family. But here's, here's what we know for sure he's talking about because we know Jesus was a soul winner. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so, again, I'm starting in chapter 12 because the end of chapter 13 ends with talking about his family. And I want to end on a good note. But I do want to point out that when we start following Jesus, and we're going to see why when we start looking at these parables in chapter 13, but Jesus made it clear that there is a time when we choose the things of God over family. I'm not talking about shunning your family. Uh, because we know Jesus ended up back in the town where his family was. And he ended up back in, in this family's household. And we're going to see the good part of the story. Star, why is it that you want to go out every time I sit down with devotion? Huh? Behold, these are my family. <laughs> oh my goodness, you punk a doodle dog. I'm going to have to let her out or she's just going to keep growling and huffing and puffing. Give me a second. Come on, folks. Marco. Marco's the only true disciple I have. He won't go outside without me. Star will. So uh, let, let me reiterate that especially when you're raising children, you need to prioritize your spiritual family. I'm gesturing to this side because this is where Jesus is doing all this teaching. When you're raising children, especially and your family is not pursuing the things of God, your mother, your siblings, and you have children now. I'm not telling you to shun your family, but I'm telling you your priority of time and energy needs to be with your spiritual family while you're raising your children. Because aunts and uncles and cousins are very special. There's just, it's almost magical to this day when I am with my cousins that I've not been with for a long time. Oh, it just, it is just so powerful. There's powerful mojo in family. I use the mo word mojo with, with um, enjoyment to say those, those phrases. I don't really believe in the witchcraft of mojo, but there, there, it's a powerful family is very powerful. So 
when it comes to the things of God, Jesus himself said about his beautiful mother, that mother who laid everything on the line so that she could birth the Messiah into the world. She was standing on the outside. We always picture Mary as sort of being always with him. And again, I'm going to end with the, with a good on a good note. We get back around to his family being in a good note. But this is an important understanding to have about our physical DNA biological family. Jesus himself preferred his spiritual family to his natural family. And he said, you know, whoever does the will of my father, the same as my brother and sister and mother. He stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren, those who are doing the will of the Lord with me, that's who my mother and my brothers are. And so now let's get into verse 13, which is where we are today. Um, this is important for us. Oh boy, somebody's walked into the yard and Star is not pleased. Um, so let me get into, into chapter 13. So the same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the seaside and a great multitude were gathered together and he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now we'll get back to talking about this parable right here, but I want us to learn something else that's very, very important. When Jesus ends this parable, he ends by saying, who, at, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? We actually looked at this definition um, the other day. The word ears comes from a Greek word, aus, and it does not mean physical, our physical ears. It means perceiving with the mind. It means the faculty of understanding, the ability to understand, the ability to think about things. And then it says, um, and, and then the word hear means, the Greek word is this, a cow or whatever, a cow, and it means to attend to, consider, give ear to a teacher. So this is saying, if you've, if, if you've got a mind that is open to think about these things, then, then what will show that you've got that mind is that you're going to attend to. When you attend to something, some things that come to mind that have to do with the word attend is um, what I mentioned the other day was like an attendant on an airline, a flight attendant. Something else that you can attend to would be a garden or a baby. You pay attention to it. You, you not only pay attention to it, you supervise it. If something starts going amiss, like, in a garden, weeds start growing. Or with a baby, they start doing, trying to reach for something that is dangerous. You attend to it. You don't just uh, uh, hold it and coddle it, but you serve it. You protect it to attend to, consider, and then give ear to a teacher. This is a very deliberate act. This is a very deliberate act. 
let me call the dogs in. Give me one second. Jesus ended this parable saying, if you've got a mind to think about it, and if you've got, if you, if you're, if you're going to be of this, uh, behavior where you attend to what's in your mind, then you're going to be able to learn from it. And here is an example of following through with that attending to what the mind is thinking about. The disciples came and said, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Now, we're going to see in just a second that the disciples actually didn't even understand the parable. But because this, this question, this approach of the disciples to Jesus was very, very important. It demonstrated that they wanted to learn. They asked a question and he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Here's why the mysteries of heaven is given unto you and not to them. Whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. I have definitely discovered this in my efforts to understand the word of God. If you are new to studying the word of God, new to embracing it, new to growing in it, you're going to find this as well. When you start, you're going to find more and more light bulbs going off. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even what he has. I am sad to say that I have seen this. I have seen this in my many years of living for God. When people stop attending um, to the learning of the word of God, they stop attending service where it is being taught. They stop um, getting in Bible studies where it is being discussed. I have seen the scriptural knowledge taken away. I have talked to people who have not been around the word of God for many years, and they can barely even remember what they were taught earlier in life. It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, but this is a real thing. And so Jesus... Jesus goes on to say, I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not. They've got eyes, but they're, they're not seeing the spiritual things. And even though they've got ears, they hear not this, this description of here right here. And they, therefore they don't understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophet Isaiah. He's talking about Isaiah. By hearing, you shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing, you shall see and shall not perceive. So this is in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. 
Their eyes they have closed. Okay, so I'm not going to keep reading word for word, but I do want to talk about this just a, a pinch more here. We find this, the fact that they can be open or closed, not because they are doomed so from birth, but because they are not purposefully hearing. They are not listening with purpose. They are not opening their minds with purpose. The opposite of a person who is opening their mind is a fool. And we see this described in many verses in Proverbs and outside of Proverbs as well. But I chose just one of the many, and this happens to be one that is um, talking about a man who, who follows after a prostitute. He's a fool. Uh, just because she's out there flaunting herself, he's going to end up in, uh, in shackles. <laughs> but this, I, I didn't know this to, 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 until today, but the word fool... In Hebrew, if you were to write it in English letters, let me point that out. If you were to write it in English letters, um, it is pronounced uh, um, Ivel or Ivele. They actually pronounce it two different ways, but it is spelled E-V-I-L, evil. I did not know that until today. But what it means, a fool is one who despises wisdom. When you know the smarter thing to do is this, like, for instance, watching your money or watching your health or watching your time, anything that has to do with wisdom, not putting yourself in a lustful environment, not opening yourself up to um, sensuality, the way the world does with songs and movies and, and, and where they're having adulterous affairs and uh, one who despises wisdom. I don't want anything to do with that wisdom. That is a fool. One who mocks when guilty. Have you ever seen somebody who, when they got in trouble, instead of taking a route of humility, they very purposefully laugh about getting in trouble. That is a fool. One who is quarrelsome. Somebody who's just constantly starting fights, debates about everything. They will, oh, they're quarrelsome. And, and it's not even a, a, a teasing situation. They will come to blows over the name of a cat or what you call a different bunny rabbit, be it dwarf or, or angora or, oh, my, they will come to blows. One who is lascivious. That means one who is purposefully uh, uh, trying to entice somebody else with their sensuality. These are all descriptions of a fool. And these are the people that brought Isaiah to this point where he said this. He said, you've got eyes, but you cannot see spiritual things. You've got ears on both sides of your head that work fine, but you cannot hear the things of God. And this brings me to an understanding that we find often 
through the Old Testament. And, and it, it has to do with people very purposefully despising wisdom, making a joke out of the fact that they are guilty, people who are quarrelsome, people who run to lasciviousness. And God hides himself from that. These are some, some, there are more verses than this, but Deuteronomy 31, 17 through 18, 32, verse 20, Micah 3, verse 4, Ezekiel 39, 23. It is literally heartbreaking because what we find here where God hides himself, it's the equivalent of what we experience, me and you, when we are in relationships where we keep getting betrayed. That person, that friend keeps leaving us for another friend group. Like they, they act like they're our friend. Then they go over to somebody else's place and they talk about us behind their back over and over. And, and you know, they, they, they get with us and they act like they enjoy being with us, but then they go and make fun of us with other people or even, even marriage relationships where we are committed, we take vows and then they cheat on us and cheat on us and cheat on us. You get to a point where you hide from them. And furthermore, when new people come into your life, you're not so quick to just be open. You know, when you're nine and 10 years old, meeting friends on the playground, you might be really fast and easy to say, oh, I like this cartoon and this is what I want to be when I grow up. But by the time you've experienced people hurting you and mistreating you and kicking you when you're down and stabbing you in the back, you start meeting people and you got a face on and you are hiding yourself behind your smile. You, you meet a friend and you, you don't just reveal to them <laughs> right out of the chute how you've been hurt and wounded because they may go and use that on you. They might kick you with that information. They might stab you in the back with that information. And so you learn to hide behind your smile, behind your pretty clothes until they reveal to you that they can be trusted. And when they reveal to you that they can be trusted, then you'll start taking off your fakeness. You'll start revealing to them your soul. You'll reveal to them that you understand what pain feels like. You'll reveal to them your heart. We are made in the image of God. And God does not just come out of the chute revealing everything about himself. He hides until we show him why speakest thou in parables? When we start showing God, we are interested in more than the miracles. We are interested in more than your smile. We are interested in more than what you just show on the outside. We want to know the secrets. 
when we start revealing this about ourselves to God, y'all, I got chills. This is such an amazing insight to the Lord. Then God starts revealing the mysteries of the parables. Oh, I love this about understanding the Lord. We are created in the image of God. And the same way you respond to hurt, so does God. But the same way you respond to someone you can trust, so does God. And when you start trusting him, when you start enduring some tests with him, when you start going through some trials with him, when he sees you are enduring to the end, whew, my Lord, my Lord, that's when he starts revealing himself. And so real quickly, I want to point out the, re the revealings of this parable. And so he, he says the parable here. He goes out throwing out some seed. And if I had more time, I would love to talk about soul winning because this, this right here is how you do soul winning. Right here, you just throw out the seed. It don't matter where it falls. It's going to fall on some people who have right here. Um, when one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. Verse 4. He that receives seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word. And anon, that is an old English word that means immediately. He, he receives it with joy. But... Because there's no root in him, he, he endures for a while. He sticks with it for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. We talked about the word offended the other day. Let me see if I've got it written down real quick. Yeah, he stumbles. His foot gets entangled. He gets annoyed, displeasure, yeah, because of the word. <laughs> Here's what tribulation, we, we tend to use the word tribulation and think of it strictly as like the end time, um, but the word tribulation means more than that. It means a pressing, a pressing together, pressure. So he's saying people who have received the word of God, but they, they've not gotten out the, all of the stones of the word of the world. <laughs> when pressure comes, because pressure is going to come. When you start living for God, pressure is going to come. It's either going to come from your family or it's going to come because of your new habits, your new disciplines. Pressure is going to come. And because of the word, because of the word, because the word has taught you some things 
and you're trying to live by the word, but it's going to annoy you. Let me get this into camera here. You're going to be offended. The word itself is going to feel like an impediment to you. It's the word of God itself that you're not going to like. And it's going to be annoying. And you're going to feel downright angry and indignant about it. And that should be a sign to you that you've got some stones in there. Because it's in the word. It's literally in black and white. It's the pressure that you're not liking. So, you know, we, we, <laughs> we talk about being offended. Oh, I, I was offended. It, that, that, is, that is simply a stumbling block, stony places. And you have the power to get the blocks, the rocks, the stumbling blocks out of the way. You have the power to do that. Okay, I got to move on. He that received the word, the seed among thorns, this is a reference to verse 7, is he that hears the word, and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word. You hear it, but you really like the stuff that's happening in the world. The care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. You really like bougie. And it's okay to like bougie, but don't forget there's deceitfulness in bougie. There's vanity in bougie. And it's going to choke out the word, the very word of God. You know, this is what I see all the time in Christianity. People say they are Christians, and that means they get Christianity from here. They get it from here. But they also really like the world. They really like the deceitfulness of riches. And because they, they allow this to stay involved while they are trying to say they have the seed of the word in their heart, they're Christians, no. The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And that person becomes unfruitful. They can call themselves a Christian all they want to, but you're going to know them by their fruit. And if they're not bearing fruit, well, there you go. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit, and bringeth forth some in hundreds, some sixty, some thirty. Mm, and that's a reference to verse 8 up there. Oh, God's word is so wonderful. All right. And I've got to hustle through the end of this because I want to get back to that family stuff I was talking about at the beginning. So he goes back and he, he tells some more parables, uh, the wheat and the tares together. This section right here is, is so important to understand. You know, first of all, we have this idea, especially within local congregations, just because people go to church does not make them, does not mean they are doing correct. Sometimes people go to church because they love the community, because it's what they grew up knowing, but they're not bringing forth actual fruit. They're not actually bringing forth fruit. They're unfruitful. And... 
In fact, they might look like wheat. Tares look like wheat. Wheat and tares look alike. But Jesus in this parable said, don't go ripping out the tares because it's growing along with the wheat. Because you might accidentally rip out the wheat. Let them grow together. <sighs> Self-righteous people do not like this. They do not like this. They want nothing but righteousness around. Self-righteous people are not willing to abide the tares. Jesus is willing to abide the tares. And we know it because he did so with Judas for three and a half years. Wheat and tares need to, you don't need to be going around ripping out people just because they're not actual wheat. And within a church, it is a wise pastor that doesn't go ripping out tares, but just lets them grow along. They will reveal themselves. And, and, and in the end, we find out that, that when it comes to judgment, that's definitely going to separate them. So be, be patient with people who are coming to church, not doing right, not acting right. Don't be ripping them out. Leave them alone. Jesus said, leave them alone. And then uh, this parable about the mustard seed, and it it puts it produces such a such an herb <laughs> that even birds can lodge in the branches thereof. And and don't forget that he that is least in the kingdom can be greatest. And then this parable about a little leaven. We need to remember the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And that can happen with sin. That's a reference to sin. A little bit of sin can infect your entire life. So be on guard about sin, even a little bit. And then these two references, actually three references to hell. Oh, let me point this out because I've been pointing out where he quotes the Old Testament, Jesus uh, quoted Psalm 78 two here. I will utter things which have been kept secret. I will, uh, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret. That's Psalm 78 two. And then both references to hell, actually all three, because this one, this one up here is also talking about burning when he's talking about the tares, verse 30. So verse 30, verse 42, and uh, verse 50, when it references where, where people who are doing wrong, fire is always a part of it. But also wailing and gnashing of teeth are a part of that end time judgment. And so we want to watch our lives. We don't want to end our lives having not gotten things right because this is the outcome. This is the outcome. And uh, oh, I, I wish I could talk more about this, but I want to end. I've been on here long enough. I want to end. So this is so cool. 
Matthew 13 ends by talking about Jesus being rejected by his own countrymen. And of course, I started by referring back to uh, Matthew 12, where Jesus talks about his family and he is preferring his spiritual family to his mother and brothers. Okay, but he does have a physical family and he does not shun them entirely. After he finished the parables, he went back to his own country. And whenever he went back, he always hung out with his family. So just because he preferred his spiritual family when it came to time and priority and energy, he didn't shun his natural family. And for those of you who didn't know, this is where his natural family is uh, written. His mother, who of course we know is Mary, and his brother, his brothers are, so these will actually be his half-brothers because they are the children that Joseph and Mary went on to have. So our, our world, because of the Catholic doctrine, our world tends to continually call Mary the Virgin Mary. But she was not a virgin always. She was only a virgin when she became pregnant with Jesus Christ. His birth was a virgin conception. But after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had children together. And the children that they had together were James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And these were the ones who were out there wanting to talk to Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 12. And he also had sisters. Verse 56, and his sisters. So we don't know his sisters' names. We just know his brother's names. And that is reiterated again in Mark... No, sir. No. That is reiterated again in Mark 6, verse 3. And... um I love this very much. This reference in Galatians chapter one. Let's see. I think I marked this. Galatians chapter one, verse 19. Did I mark it? Oh no, I know what I marked. Okay. So Galatians 1.19 is where Paul is referencing who he visited with. And he said, I saw no one save the apostle James, the Lord's brother. Because, of course, we know that um, Jesus had a disciple named James. But this is a different James, and this is a different Judas. Just like, you know, right now, uh, you know, the name Madison. There's a million and one people with the name Madison. There's a million. When my mother named my brother Jason, she thought he was, she was picking an unusual name. And, and that was the popular name of the year when, when she named my brother that. So James was a, was a common name. Simon, a common name. Judas, a common name. Uh, but these are different from the ones that were his disciples. But we know from Galatians chapter one, star, no, no. We know from Galatians chapter one that James ended up being an apostle. And so uh, um, the other thing that I love very much is Acts chapter one, verse 14. Let me find that real quick. Acts star, you're going to have to wait, growly growl. Oh, now Marcos. Acts one fourteen. 
These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So this is a reference to Christ's um, half-brothers. And the last thing that I'll point out that I love so much about um, the reference to Jesus' family is the book of James, Jesus' brother. I love that so much. And he refers to himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, so beautiful. The word of God is just amazing. The treasures in it are just amazing. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. You guys enjoy your uh, journaling. If you're if you're doing um if you're doing drawing, if you're the ones who like to do the drawing, I wish you'd draw a family. Just put a family somewhere around here. I love it that Jesus had brothers and sisters and he had a mom. Oh, love it. I love you guys. Thanks for joining me. Bye.